Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast, the first podcast of 2023. I am your host, Arnie Musgrove, joined by Aaron Stokes. We come to you just hours before Newcastle take on Arsenal down in North London, a top of the table match, which few people would have predicted at the start of the season, both for Arsenal and Newcastle. We're very excited to see how Newcastle get on. It's going to be a big test of where they are this season and if they are real title challenges. Aaron, they dropped two points against Leeds. The reaction was kind of... Half and half, wasn't it? It was half of a reminder, I think, of we have to remember where Newcastle were this time last year and to be sitting here disappointed that they didn't beat Leeds is kind of a reminder of how far they've come. At the same time, you know, you've got to be clinical. You've got to be beating these sides down the lower end of the table if you want to be a top four side. Where does your kind of thought lie a few days after that result against Leeds? Look, I think frustration is is obviously on a lot of people's minds that, you know, Leeds at home, it's a big chance to keep up with the, you know, the rest of the pack, especially given how results went for them elsewhere in the league. But I think, you know, it's sort of a bit of Newcastle being victims of their own success because, you know, they've taken four points from Leicester and Leeds, a good result, you know, from the two games. They've only lost once this season and, and it's just a reminder that, you know, they aren't going to win every single game as much as, Anyhow, wants them to, and the fan base wants them to. Um, but I think you know we probably saw enough against Leeds to say that you know there's nothing concerning. Um, we saw how Leeds sort of acted in the, the final stages of the game, which was you know a message pretty much that Newcastle are now one of the big teams that you know teams are just going to come and sort of try and park the bus again. So look, naturally, it's a bit disappointing that it's two points dropped. As I've mentioned, you know clubs around them dropping points was it was a big chance to sort of extend that gap. Um, to the teams, you know, in and around the top four. But I think on the whole, you can't be too disappointed given that, you know, they've came back, they've had that emphatic Leicester win um, and they still haven't been beaten, you know, against a good side. Mm. I mean, they battered Leeds in many ways. Alan Shearer's words, he said Newcastle battered them, just wasn't their day. So it didn't ruin my new year. Did it ruin your celebrations, Aaron? No, it didn't at all. And I think, look... You know, look back at last year, at where they were, you know, last January, um, or even when Eddie Howe came in, and, and look at where they are now. It's just night and day. So there's going to be little bumps along the road. I don't think, you know, a draw against Leeds at home is the end of the world. I think if we've been sat here and they've been beaten 2 0 and they looked like they weren't going to create anything, I think then you can maybe, you know, think what's gone on. But I think on the whole, it was a positive performance. They just couldn't find their shooting boots. And it's going to happen from time to time. It's going to happen when. Callum Wilson hasn't started and he hasn't had that run of games under his belt. So, um, yeah, it, it didn't ruin my New Year's celebrations, that's for sure. No, and we said before the Leicester game and the Leeds game that we'd take four points from those two games and Newcastle have got four points. Now, I think if the results had happened the other way around, there wouldn't have been as much of a, a disappointment from some sections of the fan base. 
Um, but as you say, it's kind of Newcastle being a victim of their own success because the stands have been set so high. But the important thing was not to lose. The important thing was to to, to play well as well. Not you know, it, it, there's a difference from playing badly and maybe getting the point. Um, I, I think I'd rather go in disappointed not to get the win rather than feeling lucky to get the point. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. If they'd grabbed a you know a point at Leicester when everyone thought that momentum was going to be maybe stopped, and then they'd went and beat Leeds three 0 I don't think we'd even be having this conversation. So. Look, I, I don't want to pull out the Jurgen Klopp poop of excuses, but the conditions weren't very good for Newcastle or both teams. You've got a team that really wanted to just shut up shop for the last half an hour of the game. It was a game where, you know, there was a bit of aggro. Um, and as I say, on another day, they would have finished some of those chances that Chris Wood had and Longstaff had. Um, but yeah, look, focus now goes on to Arsenal. If they can replicate that performance against Arsenal tonight with, you know, a bit more... Um, a bit more creativity in attack, I think we'll be fine. John Robinson says, I knew the Leeds game was going to be tough because they were very good against Manchester City. They were for the last 20 minutes. I mean, they should have at least got a, a second goal back in that performance. So, uh, yeah, I don't think Newcastle went into the game expecting to, to walk over Leeds. But I do think many people expect them to get all three points. But you seem positive there. And you saw enough against Leeds from Newcastle to feel tonight isn't going to be a game, a cricket score, like like it usually is down at the Emirates? No, I don't think so at all. I think, you know, Newcastle's track record against the big six, seven teams this season's been, you know, pretty much spot on. They're going toe-to-toe with big teams. This is going to be a huge test. And as you've you know alluded to earlier, this is going to be a huge sort of marker as to how far they've come, how far they've still got to go. Um, you know, everyone's talking about how it's the title race. I think tonight, if they if they lose at Arsenal, I think that's it for the title. Um, given that you know the gap would go to twelve points, but it's a huge test for them. Can um, I just jump in there and just say the fact that you've actually uttered that sentence is mind blowing in itself. If they lose tonight, the, the title race is over. Just to be within the race, to be on the starting, you know, or to be within the the, the top three at this point is is amazing. So that. Just blows. I think that'll blow everyone's mind watching and listening. Well, exactly. I mean, as I said earlier, rewind 12 months ago before they'd signed Trippier and Bruno and we were all worrying about, you know, a season in the championship and who was going to potentially replace how it was, you know, as I said, it's night and day. And usually you'd think in Arsenal at the Emirates, maybe not a cricket score, but, you know, let's just take the defeat and move on. You know, I don't want to have my Steve Bruce hat on there, but usually that's what you're, you're thinking about. Whereas tonight, I think we all know they'll go and they'll attack. They won't just sit back. I think they'll give it a really, really good go. And I don't think many people watching or, or listening to this are really expecting a defeat. I think they, you know a lot of people are quite positive going into this game. Um, Arsenal, of course, have been fantastic. They've been, you know, probably them and Newcastle have been the two overachievers this season. But I think it'll be a really, really good close game between two teams who are really, really high on confidence. We're going to be joined by Football London's Tom Canton in about five minutes or so, so he'll be able to provide more of an insight into Arsenal. But for all their brilliant form, they beat Brighton 4-2 uh, in, in their last game. You know, They'd still conceded two goals. They still looked vulnerable. I think Tony Pulis was the man on BC5 Live, and he said, if you can get in behind them, you're going to score goals. Newcastle have those players to get in behind Arsenal. It's just a case 
of being clinical when the chances come to you. Now, they had 16 shots on target against Leeds. I think it was six, sorry, 16 shots on goal. I think it was six on target. You know, it's going to be less than that against Arsenal. You know, they are very well-drilled sides. So, you need to be super, super, super clinical against <laughs> Arsenal. Do you think Callum Wilson's going to be back fit and, and leading the line for tonight, Aaron? Um, look, I hope so. Uh, you know, I've, I think Chris Wood has been a lot better recently. I think he's been getting in the right positions, but I think Newcastle just look a different animal when Callum Wilson's on the pitch. I think, you know, given that, you know, we're hoping that he's over this illness now, I think you've got to throw him back in from the outset if he's anywhere near close to full fitness. And I think, I think that's only really the change I'd make. I've seen a lot of people come St. Maximum on Twitter bringing, saying he should be brought back in, but... I think that Jolinton has worked on the left. I think he offers Dan Byrne a lot of cover. I think you're going to need that tonight um, with Saka. So I'd like to see Wilson back in from the start. I think we probably will see him back in from the start. And I think Newcastle have got a really good chance if he can, you know, sort of hit the ground running again before, like he was before the World Cup. I think they've got a really good chance of getting something from the Emirates tonight. Ross Neil says we can beat Arsenal. It will be hard but we can. That's the difference nowadays. And I think you're right what you say there. And few people will be going into this game fearing it like the old days, even despite the fact Arsenal have won their past 11 games at home against Newcastle. That's a massive record um, to have. But Eddie Howe is there to upset the odds. He's there to beat the history books, isn't he? So I'm not looking at this game fearing it. Arsenal are favourites. There's not much in it, and Newcastle can go down there. And we, like you see, we know they're going to give them a good, good game. And if they get beat one, two nil, we know it won't be for the want to try. And from Newcastle's part, because they will have given their all, they'll have a game plan, they'll stick to the game plan. And it might just be that on the night, Arsenal just you know get the look of the, the green or the quality comes through. Um, hopefully, it's the other way around, and it's Newcastle's look that's in, and it's Newcastle's quality that comes through. I don't think I don't think anybody, whether it's us or the players or the fans travelling down there tonight, have got anything to fear. And I think, you know, look at what they've done this season. They've nearly beaten the champions at St James's, scored three past them. They've went to Tottenham and won convincingly. They've beaten Chelsea. They've gone to Old Trafford and got a point. You know, there's absolutely no reason to fear tonight being a cricket score. I think, yes, Arsenal are favourites, as you say. I think... You know, they're on such a good run at the minute. They just seem to be able to, you know, grind out wins as they did on Boxing Day as they did against Brighton. I think as long as Newcastle are in the game for as long as they can be and they give it a good go, I think, you know, you've got to praise them. So, absolutely no fear tonight. And I think the players will be thinking they can go down there and get something. And not a bad option as well to bring St Maximum off the bench with 20 minutes to go if Newcastle are still in the game, which we, we hope they will be because... At that time, tired legs, you know, you throw him on, he will stretch the Arsenal's defence and he could be the difference later on, that impact sub, because Eddie Howe doesn't change, doesn't change sides, does he, unless he's forced to. You've got Sheffield Wednesday in the Cup coming up, then you've got the Leicester game, but you can't see him making too many changes other than maybe Callum Wilson coming in for, for Chris Wood. Given the two points dropped against Leeds, the results of teams around Newcastle They've actually worked out quite favourably, haven't they? Liverpool losing, Spurs losing, Chelsea drawing. Yes, my United won, but the other three, you know, and especially the Liverpool and Spurs results, looking from the outside in, they look like such damaging results. It, it, it seems, and I've probably proved wrong in a couple of weeks, but it seems 
looking at it now, the, those results are going to have a, an effect, you know, throughout the club. It, it, it's much more than a defeat, it looks like, for, for Spurs and Liverpool. One thing, isn't it just so much nicer worrying about what Tottenham and Liverpool are doing rather than this time last year and you're praying for Burnley to get beat? It's just, it's so refreshing actually wanting the big teams to lose. But yeah, I completely agree. I think two big boosts for Newcastle. I think Tottenham under Conte look like they're adrift. You know, they're stuttering against teams they should be beating. Liverpool... Don't look united. I mean, that's the key thing. When you look at Newcastle, United, yeah. everyone is united from the top to the bottom. Newcastle lose Eddie Howe's not blaming transfers. He's not blaming anyone else. He's he's looking at he's looking at what his team didn't do well or where his team can improve. Spurs lose, and he's you know he's kind of straight on about miracles and transfers and essentially saying you know we need more funding. It's going to take time. And I saw a lot of comments from Spurs from some Spurs fans rather saying he's right in one instance, but wouldn't it be nice if he could teach. Uh, or um, train or coach these players that he's got, who have some very good players, in the same way Eddie Howe has done with Joe Linton, you know, with players who look like they weren't Premier League, top quality Premier League players, and here we are under Eddie Howe, just over a year, and some of these players have turned their careers right around Miggy, Joe Linton, you know what I mean? Um, whereas Conte is not quite doing that. He's not, he doesn't seem to be saying the things that would instill confidence within a camp. No, he's not. And, and you know, it was, it was something that you actually wrote about the other week, how, you know, how would never even do what Rafa Benitez used to do. And that was, you know, sort of slyly throw players under the bus. You'd never get that ready, how. I think you'd never get him doing what Conte doing, but I think you'd also never get him doing what Klopp is doing and saying, you know, we can't compete financially. There's never any excuses with Eddie Howe. You know, it's just, he just focuses on what he can do with his squad and he lets all the outside noise around him, other teams just get on with it. And I think, you know, he's a credit to the football club. And I think, you know, whatever happens in the next couple of years, however high Newcastle get, however, you know, it falls apart, whatever happens, I think he will go down as being in the same breath as Keegan and Robson. And I think he's already in that sort of mould for me at the minute. He's only been at the club 15, 16 months, but I think you already sort of speak about him in that breath because of how he presents himself to the media, to the fans, to the players, you know, even if you're not playing in that team, it must be such a fantastic dressing room to be a part. And we've seen that this season with Lascelles and Fraser and players, you know, big hugs at full time, even if they haven't played, you know, he's just created a fantastic atmosphere. And I think that is what the other clubs at the top, the likes of Liverpool and Tottenham and Chelsea don't have at this moment in time. How important was it for Newcastle to come into this game against Arsenal, looking at those results from the other sides, you know, what, how big of a boost will it be knowing that Liverpool and Spurs lost, Chelsea drew? Because I have a, you, you would think the, the feeling within the squad would be a little less chirpy, shall we say, had those three teams all won and Newcastle were, were left needing really to get a win tonight to sustain a, a kind of a, a place in that top four. Yeah, I, I think it gives them big confidence. I think they, you know, for as long as they can keep this gap between sort of sixth and third, seventh, you know, the more they're going to, you know, feel a lot less pressure on their shoulders. You know, look, it's still a long way to go. And, you know, we, we know anything can change in the next couple of months. But if they can just keep grinding out these results, keeping the gap to sixth and seventh, you know, as big as possible, you know, they stand themselves in massive, massive opportunity to finish in the top four. Ross Neal says, well said. I think he's probably talking about you there, Aaron. 
he's bloody awesome as already. So a big fan there, Rosses of Eddie. We're going to welcome Tom in now. Tom Canton from Football London. He covers Arsenal home and away. So I will bring him into the studio. Here is Tom. Tom, thank you very much for popping on to the Everything is Black and White podcast. How are you keeping? Yeah, good, mate. Good. It's all good. Glad to be on. Do you have a good New Year? I did. I did. Uh, yeah, a shame Newcastle couldn't pick up three points. But as me and Aaron were just discussing, it didn't It didn't spoil the festivities. Um, we're hoping for a win tonight. We were speaking uh, before me and Tom about the last time Tom came on and did a, a preview podcast and he, mm. he alluded that he was a little bit reluctant today because the last time he came on Newcastle beat Arsenal mm. and um, I have to say I'm, I'm looking very much forward to the same result tonight <laughs> yeah I'm sure you are I think that you know that was there's actually a lot of similarities between that game and this one um, because I do think that Newcastle come to the Emirates with an element of nothing to lose in a sense because you think back to last season where you know the season was was over for Newcastle at that point they couldn't really go any higher they couldn't really go any lower and Arsenal went there with all the pressure all the expectation and and really fought it and you know that pressure definitely got to them and they just didn't put in a performance against a side that just played you know had fun enjoyed their game and ultimately had a fantastic performance and won 2 nil. and I now look at this game and I'm going all of the expectation all of the pressure is on Arsenal to maintain this run at the top of the Premier League if they drop points you know they're people are waiting for Arsenal to, to to mess up, basically, at this point. People are waiting for them to to do something wrong, to drop points, because we've only dropped points in two games so far this season. So I think there's a lot of similarities, and I think that does lean more towards Newcastle having, you know, just being able to come and play the way they want to play and not be concerned by what Arsenal are doing. And, and they've got the confidence and, and the quality to do that as well. What's the big difference from that Arsenal side that lost to Newcastle in the last season to the one that sits top of the table today? The, the big one is Thomas Partey. Um, he wasn't obviously there for that game. And Arsenal's win rate with Thomas Partey and the team is something like 90-something percent. It's kind of mad. Um, it's Yeah, we are a significantly better side with, with him in the team. And he wasn't obviously there for that game. El Nenny, I think, played that game. Um, obviously we've brought in some other players. Jesus won't be there because he's still injured and recovering from that serious knee injury. And Ketia has come in and will start like he started at St. James's Park. But again, he's kind of just come off the back of scoring two and two and looks good. Um, Zinchenko is another addition as well at left back, who's been brilliant and kind of really taken forward this inverted left back role. Um, and then you've got the front three outside of Enketia, Martinelli and Saka, that I think have just, again, this season taken their game to another level, as has Martin Odegaard, who is arguably maybe the, the form player in the Premier League right now. He's been unbelievably good. Yeah, Aaron, I mean, a lot of names mentioned there by Tom, which I, I guess they still push a bit of fright into Newcastle fans, but maybe not as much as they would have done last season because Newcastle are in a much better place themselves. Yeah, look, I mean, you can't deny the quality they've got. I think, you know, the way Arteta's got them playing, you know, it's sort of ingrained in them now, isn't it, that every single game they're going to play this, you know, fast-paced style of football that you sort of learn under Guardiola at Manchester City. Some fantastic talent. I mean, Party's been fantastic, as, as Tom said. I think you look at Saka and Martinelli on each wing. I mean, Saka against Dan Byrne tonight might be a, might be a messy one from a Newcastle point of view. There's just one thing that I want to ask you, Tom, and, and I don't mean mm. any disrespect with this question at all. Um, of course. You know, the Arsenal of, of old, you always thought that they were going to somehow throw it away. You always thought that after Christmas, they'd always fall away. They were sort of known as the bottlers. Mikel Arteta has got the youngest squad in the lead, but they just mm. look like a different animal now. It looks like 
they aren't going to actually throw this one away. And is there a feeling around the club that this actually could be the air that you see seeing out? I still think there's a feel of disbelief still. Um, and I think if you spoke to most Arsenal fans, they'd be very reluctant to say that we can win the league at this point. I think maybe that's unfair. Maybe I think they say they could say we, we can win it this season because, of course, Man City are dropping points. It seems as though Liverpool aren't really that, you know, that what they are this season is very odd. And Chelsea as well. And Spurs are Spurs. You know, even Conte came out and said that the best they can expect is fourth ever, which was fantastic to hear, of course. But getting back to the topic at hand... Um, I, I, it's obviously there, but I think there's a reluctance from fans to commit to saying that we we are favourites at this point, even though even I'm looking across certain prediction algorithms and they're starting to put Arsenal now as favourites for the league title, which adds extra pressure. The young team aspect that you brought up, I think, is something that Arteta's obviously wanted. He wanted to change the age profile of the squad. And I think last season we kind of got that 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 immaturity out of our system by dropping it and and dropping the Champions League uh, at that point. And I think now this season, there is an added maturity. Those young players that we signed in 2021, all that were 23 and under, are now moving towards their mid-20s. Ben White's 24, Tierney's 25, Ramsdale's 24, Odegaard's uh, nearing 24, if not already as well. Martinelli's, you know, turning 22 soon. Saka's been to two massive international tournaments as well and playing as a regular for England. So, there's a lot of maturity in what is on the surface an immature squad in terms of age. So yeah, I, I do think that that has that aspect of of Arsenal has been kind of taken out of things by Arteta in the recruitment. And um, we'll hear from Mikel Arteta now. Actually, I've got a clip of his press conference. He was uh, speaking about Newcastle. So let me just find the video. I'll play it now. A very good team. Um, again, really well coached. I think what Eddie's done in that short period of time, you look at the numbers, incredible. Be credit to him and the coaching staff. And then they have created, um, I believe, a momentum around the team um, that uh, that they play the same way against any opponent. So tomorrow or this evening, we'll start to prepare that game. And uh, it's going to be another big test. But we'll play at home in front of our crowd and looking forward to it. It's not about stopping anybody, it's about being realistic where we are, um, what the way we are performing. Obviously, it's it's impressive and, and we are really happy with that, but as well set um, the bars and the objectives in, in the short term and, uh, and what we want to improve and what is making us win that many football matches. To win against Newcastle. And then the next one, and then the next one. Uh, that's the dream, and uh, obviously that all my loved ones and everybody around the club feels um, healthy and satisfied and, and enjoys life, which is beautiful. Just a couple more, Adrian. Mikel, you know you were talking about how the players reacted in the dressing room. <coughs> what, what, do you, what do you take when you see that mentality? When did your players start getting like that? And, and is there a couple of things? Does that show that, one, they're not getting carried away, and also that... Great. When I see those interactions, <coughs> as well, obviously I see enjoyment and I see joy and happiness because they were really happy and excited uh, after a big win for us. But as well, they are moderate, understanding that we still have a lot of things that uh, we have to improve as a team. And finally, Kaya. Good results elsewhere today. Obviously, City have got points in the early games. Were the players watching that, or are they just focused on what they're doing? 
I don't know, I'm not a lot interested with them, but everybody knew the results, that I guarantee you. Okay, guys, thanks so much. Happy, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to everybody, guys. All the best, yeah. yeah? I mean, the first thing that stands out there for me, Aaron, Tom, is the similarity between Eddie Howe and Mikel Arteta in many ways of, of always focusing just on the next game. You know, Eddie Howe's had similar questions about what Newcastle United can achieve this season, but he's always focused just on the game that's coming up. He, he's not looking uh, ahead at all, really. And the same there, Mikel Arteta's asked about, you know, you could be 10 points clear, what have you, and he's just focusing solely on the next game, which, of course, is Newcastle United. Um, Tom, is, would you say there's any other similarities you've, you've, you've noticed? I know you're looking from the outside in between mm. Arteta and Eddie Howe. You know, they're both very young managers, both still making their way really in the in the game. Any similarities you think that the two share other than that kind of focus just on, on what's coming next? Yeah, I think their individual coaching of players has been excellent. You look at the individual progression of, of players in both teams. You look at Joel Linton, for instance, at Newcastle. You look at Xhaka at Arsenal, both you know playing in midfield and doing brilliant things. They've also gone down a route of trying to you know bring in the players that they they want that they think they can that are really going to kind of move the, their teams on to that next level. Yourselves with Bruno Guimaraes, of course, you know, and us of Gabriel Jesus and two Brazilians, ironically, you know, and they're looking to kind of push that forwards to to level up both squads. So, yeah, no nonsense as well. You know, they, neither of them particularly like disharmony in the dressing room. They, they want to make sure that the, there's a unit that all of the kind of the players are singing from the same hymn sheet. But, yeah, I think both of them have also got, I suppose, the the underestimated factor. I think a lot of people have underestimated both Howe and Arteta and what they're capable of. Um, you know, you think back to Howe's previous job at Bournemouth, of course, um, it, it didn't go maybe the way that he wanted to. But, I mean, getting Bournemouth up to that level in in any sense was a huge achievement. Keeping them in the Premier League as long as he did was a an even bigger one. So, to then take on a job where he's given more resources and better players, we're seeing what he's capable of in the same sense with Arteta. When he first came in, he had to work with Unai Emery's squad, which wasn't the best. And there was a lot of fractured parts of that squad. He's moved on the disharmony and he's brought in the players he wants and now they're seeing the benefits. So yeah, there's, there's lots of actual parallels between the two coaches. And just in terms of how Arsenal play, for those who don't watch Arsenal, um, well, Many people watching this won't watch us as much as you do, Tom. So just give yeah. them a bit of insight into what they can expect tonight from the way Arsenal set up, the way they approach uh, or the way they will approach Newcastle tonight. Well, the first thing that Newcastle needs to watch out for is, is a quick start. Arsenal started games very intensely. They try to get a goal in the first 10 minutes as much as they can. Um, and I feel as though in this game in particular, if Arsenal can get an early goal and force Newcastle to be more expressive and come out more, it could open up those spaces for Arsenal on the counter as they showed against Brighton. You know, Brighton conceding four at home is pretty unheard of, but it was the two goals at the start of both halves which opened up that game significantly and gave Arsenal such an edge so early on. The wide areas are obviously key. Saka and Gabriel Martinelli love to use those areas. They're supported by Xhaka and Odegaard significantly. Eddie Nketiah isn't Jesus. He's not the same. But what he is good at is getting into the box in the, in those key areas by the six-yard box in particular and getting on the end of chances. They'll try and force shots um, at, the, at Nick Pope in this case. And they'll try and get rebounds off him as much as they can. On the right-hand side for Arsenal, Ben White's more disciplined and the left-back in Zinchenko or Tini, whoever starts in this game. Um, and I think the best area for Newcastle, if they're going to get the most joy, will be probably your informed player in Almore and playing on that right-hand side, getting in behind Zinchenko if he starts, because it'll be on then Gabriel to cover a much larger area than both Saliba and White will be covering. So that's that's where it'll be. 
Tom, there's, I mean, you've mentioned a lot of players there. One you haven't mentioned is Martin Odegaard. Now, mm. a really, really sort of ballsy decision by Mikel Arteta to give him the captaincy at such a young age. You know, he's proven to be a fantastic leader in this team, despite, you know, not having too much experience. What has he been like for this this Arsenal team in, in the last six months and how much, you know, how much better can he actually get in the next few months? In short, it's it's been quite a meteoric rise from him. Um, when he arrived on loan uh, in January 2021, he had had injury issues at Real Madrid during that first six months, didn't really play too much. He'd spent the previous season on loan at Real Sociedad and done really, really well. Um, and I think a lot of people were kind of expecting and looking back at that loan season as to what they might expect from him. He only got a couple of goals in that six months. But despite links to both James Madison and Emi Buendia during that summer of 21, Arteta really wanted Erdegaard. They had to wait at the start of the summer. They weren't, Real Madrid didn't want to sell. And then Ancelotti turned around at the end of the summer and said, basically, that you know there wasn't really a place for him. And so they were willing to let him go. And Arsenal got an amazing deal around 30, 34 million pounds for him. He has, over the last two seasons, now started to add more goals. Um, you know, he matched Bernardo Silva's goal output, I think, last season in the Premier League. And this season has already scored um, as many goals as he did last season um, in, in the Premier League. So he is looking at really stepping up the, the contributions. He shoots more. Um, he's obviously playing some amazing passes. The, the pass to Martinelli is probably the assist of the season across the Premier League in behind for Martinelli for that goal, for Arsenal's fourth goal on Saturday. He is the core of what Arteta expects with the vision, the passing, the pressing. Um, he's not the most vocal. I spoke to him after the game at the Amex on Saturday. Um, and he said to me that, you know, he speaks when he feels like he needs to speak. Um, he, We've got other vocal leaders like Xhaka, for instance, like Ben White. Rob Holding on the bench is a big vocal part of the dressing room, even when he's not playing. And uh, I think he kind of leads more by example than from a vocality sort of sense. But uh, I think everyone looks to him as, as an example. And he certainly hasn't shied away from any of the, the opportunities that have fallen to him this season. What's really refreshing, I think, for Newcastle fans watching and listening to this is that we come into this game, yes, concerned a little bit about the great players Arsenal have got. But the flip side is, is that Arsenal don't just have one or two Newcastle United players to worry about. You know, you've mentioned Almir on there. You've just talked about Odegaard. I think people will see similarities with Bruno Gimoresh. Mm -hmm. Joe Linton is a force to be reckoned with, you know, at the back. Newcastle um, have conceded uh, the least goals in the Premier League. Nick Pope is in terrific form. Kieran Trippier, what a brilliant sign he's been. Um, is there anyone that you're particularly concerned about? I know you've mentioned Almir on there as the... Mm. Inform Newcastle players. Is he, is he, do you think, top of the list that Arteta will be kind of looking at and saying to his squad, you know, that's the person we need, need to keep quiet? Well, you guys might know better than me. Are you expecting Wilson and Sir Maximan to start this game? Because they're on the bench, of course, for the Leeds match. I think I think Wilson should be back in. We've just been having this discussion before mm. you jumped on as to whether Maxi starts. And I think in a game of this magnitude, he probably needs Joel Linton over Maximan simply for the defensive. Mm aspect of it but I think you know Wilson being back in for Wood probably is probably the movie makes yeah uh, I think obviously that that lends itself to being the, the key threat Wilson does well against Arsenal you know he, he loves a goal against us so that will be something that both Saliba and Gabriel and Saliba of course wasn't playing in that last game that we faced against you to be the first time that, that Saliba faces Newcastle he's on four yellow cards it's worth mentioning so if he gets a fifth he will miss the North London derby. So that might be something that, that comes into the game um, as well. 
I think that the, the key the key battle is going to be in, in midfield and also whether you can exploit, as I mentioned earlier, our left-back position and the space in behind there. You've got the Joe Willock narrative, of course, as well, coming back to Arsenal in a Newcastle side that is, is far more competitive than the last time he, he revisited the Emirates. Um, so I think that those three in particular, when you look at Gimaraes, Willock and Joel Linton, I know he plays slightly off, off, off the left-hand side and he did against Leeds, but still coming in centrally and being a key part of that, that progressive group, they're the three that I think will cause the biggest issue servicing Wilson in particular and Almiron. So if Partey has a great game, I'm confident that we can kind of stifle that progression somewhat. And White is obviously going to need to be on it as well on that right-hand side. But it's it's such a tricky one to call. I think it very it sounds such a cliche, but obviously whoever gets the first goal is going to be crucial. If it's early in the game for Arsenal, that certainly suits. And I think the longer it stays nil-nil, it suits Newcastle more. So it, it's going to be very difficult um, to, to kind of judge this one. But as I said when I first came on, you know, from Newcastle's point of view, I don't think you have anything to lose. And I think that makes you very dangerous coming into this game. I think it's a big game for Joe Linton. I've got a feeling Joe Linton will have a, a good game tonight. Very physical. You mentioned there the, the issue with the yellow cards. Kieran Trippier and Fabian Chair both on four as well. Mm. So um, it'd be interesting how they play tonight to, to try and avoid getting um, picking up a, a fifth yellow card each. Um, is it a little bit difficult, do you think, um, for Mikel Arteta and for Arsenal to work out what to expect from Newcastle in terms of in previous years, it's been very, very clear. Newcastle will rock up. They will try and absorb the pressure, park the bus, and if they can break, they'll, you know, they will do. But you know, inevitably, it's always going to be an Arsenal win. Whereas this Newcastle United side, they don't let the opposition have a moment on the ball. They are straight in their faces. They're pressing them. You know, they they want to be competitive, and they've shown that against Spurs, mm. against Man United, against Chelsea, that they don't fear anyone. And is it a little bit difficult for Arteta to work out the best game plan to keep Newcastle quiet? Ironically, I don't think so because Arteta, as you, we talked about with Eddie and Arteta, Arteta focuses on us. He doesn't really necessarily focus on the opponent as much. He wants us to play our game. He wants us to do And that's worked this season, you know. The only times I've really seen him look at the opponent is when we played Liverpool at home and he started Tommy Asu at left back and a bit of a tactical kind of move and some of us have even talked about maybe Tommy Asu coming in instead of Zinchenko to deal with Almiron um, as well but I would be surprised if he does that tonight um, I, but I do think he will just get us to focus on ourselves he'll get us to go and start strong as I say play that intense style if Newcastle press high which I expect them to do we've got so many players that are so quick with their feet and with their passing that we've done well in playing through a number of presses this season Brighton was a really good example. The amount of times they pressed us high or then tried to hit us on the counter, the recoveries have been so good that often that opens opportunities for us. So if there is a turnover of possession, we're often so good at getting the ball back once again so quickly. And then there's open spaces that the, the wide players in particular can exploit. So if, say, Trippier pushes too far up the pitch when you think you've got a counter-attack and we turn over... Martinelli might find himself having a very great time on our left-hand side, but it can be a very much equal in the opposite direction with Almiron on, the, on our on your right-hand side. So it's, yeah, as I say, it's just, it's such an interesting fixture because uh, there's so much that could happen. It could be a high scorer. It could be a very cagey low scorer. It's very difficult to predict how this one might flow. And Tom, before you jumped on, me and Andrew were talking about, you know, Newcastle's title race chances, which obviously sounds 
ridiculous mm. to say, given how far they've Great come to say, though. Moment. You must be feeling it's amazing. Fantastic to say, yeah. and I don't think I'll ever, ever tire of saying it. But, yeah. you know, I said to Andrew, if, if Newcastle lose tonight, I think that is probably them out of the race. I think, you know, a 12-point gap to Arsenal would probably, you know, be too big of a mountain to climb. Do you think if Arsenal win tonight, it's between yourselves and City, or are you still not letting yourself get sort of that far ahead of yourselves? Yeah, I think that I've I've maintained that for Arsenal to win the league, they have to win one of the two games against City. That that is, I just can't see how Arsenal win it if they lose both games to City. I know that Leicester ironically won the league in 2016, and the only team to beat them twice was us, uh, and we finished second that season. So it's not necessarily nailed on that that needs to happen, but. I just feel as though that's the only way with this City side. With Newcastle, you know, if you get a result of the Emirates tonight, as I say, anything's possible this season with how un, how inconsistent Chelsea, Liverpool, Spurs, um, less so United, because they are starting to pick up some form now, have been so far this season. I agree with you. I think if we win, probably does mean that Eddie Howe's kind of sighters are very much on the top four solely. Um but if and if Arsenal win this game, I think that you know it's just a case of for Arsenal and Arteta of the next one being the North London derby after this, being United after that, uh, and then of course City at the beginning of February as well. So we are taking things step by step. We aren't trying to get carried away too much, um, even with a crazy season that it is. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's enjoyable watching Newcastle where they are. It's scary watching Newcastle grow the way that they are, how rapid. Because I don't think anyone expected it to be this quick and this reactive to the change that's gone on. Um, and I think that if there are clubs that are worried about this most, it is going to be clubs like Spurs, Chelsea, United, and now Liverpool, especially. And I think from an Arsenal point of view, it's it's good seeing where we are. Not just obviously we're top right now, but because we are like Newcastle, I think ahead of schedule in, in this project that's going on right now between the two clubs. So, yeah, I think for both teams, they're in two very good places in the context of of the Premier League as is right now. So Darren Lee says there he'll take a one-one draw tonight, and that's where we'll finish with you, Tom. And um, what's your score prediction for tonight's game? You know, the optimism in the optimist in me says I think it will be a, a good win because I think if Arsenal play the way that they've done before and get an early goal, as I said earlier, that opens things up. If it doesn't, it could be as as Darren says, there a, a KG one one. Um, I'll stick with my optimism, go for a two nil. Um, but yeah, I, there's there's no point in ruling you guys out because I think you've been fantastic this season. I think you've got a great chance in every game you play. So yeah, it's going to be an intriguing one. Yeah, it certainly is. We say thanks to Tom for popping on to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I hope you enjoy the game tonight, but not too much because Newcastle can <laughs> get three points. Uh, cheers, Indeed. as always, Tom, and uh, we'll speak soon. Pleasure. Best of luck for the rest of the season. Have a good one. You too. Cheers. Bye-bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Fascinating chat there. I mean, I just go back to the to the list of names that he mentioned, Darren. And it, what stands out though from a Newcastle point of view is that although you applaud and you go, "Yeah, some fantastic players," I'm looking at Newcastle's list of players and going, "Well, actually, do you know what? Newcastle aren't too far behind." I'm excited to see how Joe Linton does tonight. Um, 
in that midfield battle. I'm excited to see how Bruno does and tries to control the game up against Odegaard. Can Nick Pope maintain another uh, clean sheet? You know, there's so many exciting players in that Newcastle United lineup, in that Newcastle United squad, that you don't, whatever fear you do have about these good Arsenal players, it's not as high as it has been in previous seasons. Yeah, 100%. And I think Tom hit, hit the nail on the head when he said it's a very intriguing clash tonight. I think, yes, you know, Arsenal have got some fantastic players. You look at Saka and Martinelle on either flank, but actually, you know, you can say that, well, Miggy's probably performed better than both of them this season in terms of form. I think you look at that midfield and you think, you know, Bruno, maybe Joel and Willick could probably go toe-to-toe with the likes of Xhaka and Party. And then you've got two fantastic defences who have both, you know, sort of overachieved the season. So, fascinating clash especially when you add in sort of the similarity of the two managers and what it means in, at this stage of the season and what's at stake. I think it's, yeah, it's going to be a fantastic game. Oh, gosh. I'm going to rough assess Newcastle will win 2-1. I certainly hope so. Uh, what else have we got? We've got Lee Trainer saying with the form of our defence, we have a great chance tonight. And I, I totally agree. I think that is so key because the defence has been a, a proper surprise package, actually. I don't think anyone expected the defence to be as tight and as strong and as together and as unified as it is. It is, And the, the amount of clean sheets they're getting. And the the arrival of Nick Pope caused a bit of a debate. And we will talk about Dubravka returning to the fold in a moment. But he's proved all the doubt was wrong. And what's great about Nick Pope is that for large parts of a game, he's not needed. But when he is called upon, he's so quick to react. He's so switched on. And I tell you what, if we're looking at the players Newcastle have bought under this new ownership, for me, he is, I think, probably the bargain. The bargain sign. £10 million. What? I mean, he's been absolutely fantastic. Yeah, look, I, I bet Martin Dubravka is, is looking on and thinking, I wish I'd had a defence that good when I was at Newcastle. The amount of shots he used to face when we're in a relegation battle. And as you say, Nick Pope, some games hardly has anything to do. I think, yeah, nobody can nobody can deny what a snip he's been at 10 million. It's sort of, you pinch yourself to think, how on earth did we get him for that amount of money? Um, but yeah, look, a complete surprise patch. I think if you rewrite the start of the season and you said, Dime Byrne is going to be the out-and-out left-back, I think everyone would have probably laughed at you. I don't think anybody thought Fabian Scher was going to have this amount of improvement as he has. I don't think anybody thought Sven Botman was going to hit the ground as quick as he has. I think we all knew, you know, that there was an exciting talent there when we signed him. But I don't think anybody thought, you know, he'd be sort of one of the first names on the team sheet after only three months. So they've proven this season that they can keep even the best attacks out. And I think tonight will be another big test as to, you know, how good they've been. Hopefully they can keep this run of form going into the two cup games. I'm just going to say it now, though. Fabian Scher is definitely picking up a yellow card. He's definitely mm. getting that fifty dollar card, isn't he? I mean, yeah. I mean, we all know Cher and how much he loves the cards. So I wouldn't put it past him. Exactly. So I think there could be a bit of needle there tonight as well. We saw against Leeds, and Cher, of course, was involved. I just think we've we've talked about very early on the season. Newcastle lacking that kind of nasty streak about them, but we, we saw against Leeds, and it was a bit of frustration. But we saw against Leeds that you know they were standing up for themselves. We've seen it. Was it against Everton as well? You know, they're starting to just develop that little bit of a nastiness about them, which all the top teams have got. And uh, I think it might be needed tonight as well. Yeah, I think Chelsea was the big game, wasn't it, before the World Cup? Chelsea, yeah. Sorry. Saw the, you know, the sort of 
togetherness of the group and you know that they would actually you know go toe to toe with players I think the likes of Dan Byrne and Joel Linton have been key to that I mean Joel Linton is you know really really he really likes to wind the opponents up he doesn't mind you know getting stuck in with a tackle and I think they did they did need that nastiness yes they were fantastic last season to pull away from the drop zone as they did but now you know you've got a team that you know players don't like to face um, and I think they'll need that tonight, given this, you know, the type of players Arsenal got. Xhaka's very similar to Jordan in that regard. I think even Partey and Saliba and Gabriel, you're going to have, you know, as you say, a bit of needle. Um, Martin de Braffica returns. It's going to be interesting to see how he gets back into the fold. It, it, it's a report that he was the one who asked to come back. Newcastle then put into motion the option to recall him from his loan spell at Manchester United. It's again, it's caused a bit of debate on, on social media. I mean, look, there's no doubt, and he's a top quality goalkeeper. I just think for some, the way his move to Old Trafford happened and then the quotes that came afterwards, some people aren't, aren't, aren't overly pleased he's I back. He's, I think he's burned a lot of bridges with Newcastle yeah. supporters. The manner of, of his departure, as you say, the, the quotes that came out after, the fact he hasn't played and, he, and he's came back, now it's just interesting to see what they do with him. You know, that, that statement that could released on New Year's Day says that he's going to stay and, you know, be part of the group. I'm not sure. I think there'll be a few Premier League teams thinking, you know, we can probably nab him on a on a cheap deal here before the end of January because... Does it, does it show? We, we all know how important character is within this group. And the fact that he didn't want to stay at Newcastle and, and, and challenge... Nick Pope. Now that's one thing. If you're going to move, if you're going to push through a move and you're going to go to a team where you're, you're going to be number one or with a real chance of being number one, I can kind of go, okay, fair enough. But he went to Old Trafford knowing he's not going to be number one because David Gea is not going to get moved on. He went to Old Trafford to be the first of his uh, countrymen to, to play for my United. He's been open and honest about that. To me personally, that doesn't shout like brilliant character because what you want is you want somebody who wants to battle week in and week out and try and knock that number one goalkeeper you know off off well from between the sticks but I think I think that's why he's he's burnt as bridges with Newcastle fans because Pope came in and we all thought right there's going to be a big battle on here we don't know who's going to be number one we don't know how who's how's going to choose and it just looked as if he'd sort of given up before you know, he even started. I remember Pope started that the, I think it was either the friendly in Austria or one of the friendlies before the season started, and it was as if Dubravka thought, right, well, that's me done. I'm I'm not going to get in, and I think that's why you know he, he isn't sort of received as well as he used to be. And look, it's a shame because Dubravka gave us a lot of good times. He saved us a lot of times. He should be remembered as this, you know, a fantastic servant in the club. And I fear that he's. He's ruined that by, you know, jumping ship and, and now sort of coming back with his tail between his legs. Very interesting to see what Howe does with him now. It's very interesting to see whether he wants to sort of just, you know, sort of reintegrate in this group. It's clearly done, you know, a lot of wonders for, for Carrius's confidence. Does Dubravka think I'll have six-month year arm around the shoulder of Howe? Or does he say, look, OK, I want to go and I want to play? So very interesting to see what they do. I think a lot of it depends on what they do with Carrius and extending his contract which ends this month I think it depends on what they do with Carl Darlow so it's going to be interesting to see in a couple of weeks time how how they've played the goalkeeper situation 
and one thing's for certain, you know, Martin Dubrovka will arrive back at Newcastle night and there'll be no uh, grudges held or anything anyhow. We'll we'll give him a clean slate and go, right, if you want to be here, you come and prove yourself. If you want to be part of this squad, go and battle Nick Pope. And as long as his attitude's spot on, which you know, hopefully it will be, there will be no issues there. Of course, he has been linked to Leicester. Danny Ward, the number one at the moment, um, not looking at a top quality Premier League goalkeeper. So it'll be interesting to see if that uh, gossip becomes reality, especially with the James Madison links as well. Elsewhere, Aaron, in the Premier, uh, in the transfer window, sorry, it is open now. Did you feel that the lack of a clinical edge against Leeds United reaffirmed the belief that Newcastle need another striker. I tweeted that out. I've had that view for a long, long time. There were some people agreeing with me. I know you're, you've come over to my side of thinking now. But some people said, well, Isaac's coming back. Chris Wood just you know, had an unfortunate game. Cal Wilson back fit. It's other areas of the pitch which are priority. People were talking about a, a midfielder who can control the game as well as find the back of the net. People were talking about a winger. People were talking about maybe a defensive um, addition. Where, where did, for you, does the, the party life? Because for me, it's still bringing a striker who can replace Callum Wilson like for like. I think this striker debate will split opinion down the middle for the rest of the month. And that is because so many people are so, you know, excited to see Isaac. And they think he'll, you know, he'll solve all the problems. Others think that, well, he hasn't stayed fit all season. Wilson's obviously always on and off the treatment table, and, and Chris Wood, you know, some feel isn't good enough. So, I don't think you're ever going to get a consensus on that um, on that debate this month. I think for me, the priority should still be, you know, a backup right back or a or a midfielder. I am starting to come around to the fact that maybe they do need a, 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 another additional attacker brought in, and I think. You know, Leeds did sum that up. They didn't look as clinical as they have earlier in the season. But I think Shelby's injury changes things. I think you probably do need another midfielder. I think if anything was to happen to Bruno or, or Willick or, or Jolin, I think you'd be looking a bit short in that area. Um, and I think, as I've said all along, you know, that, you know, the drum that I've been banging is, you know, if Trippier goes down, we'll hold him a breath. So I think a, a young impressionable right back to learn from Trippier and I think the midfielder would be my two priorities in the next couple of weeks. How big of a blow is my target's injury? Yeah, it's it's a big blow. I mean, you know, target, he'd hardly put a foot wrong before losing his place in the team. Um, You know, very unlucky that Dan Byrne just slotted into the role and, and the defence just went from strength to strength. So, very frustrating for him. It's a blow for Newcastle in terms of their depth. It's a huge opportunity for Jamal Lewis or Paul Dummett, probably more so Lewis, to actually really try and now stay fit and grasp the opportunity to be um, second-choice left-back again. But, yeah, for, for Target personally, it's a big blow. Um, I don't think they'll go in you know, for an, a replacement this window, but a big chance for some of those that have been struggling to get in the team behind Burn. Now, reports in Spain suggested that Steve Nixon, Newcastle's chief scout, was out watching Ivan Fenesta, who's been linked. He's a right-back, 19-year-old. Um, he's been linked to several clubs. Um, and I guess his age, he's he's he probably would fit the profile in many ways, Aaron, of the person who could come in and just learn from, from Cuban Trippier going forward. Yeah, I think, I think that's exactly the type of deal they should be doing. You know, Emil Kraft was fantastic when he... 
you know, had that stint in the team, but obviously that, that ACL injury has, has kept him out for a long, long time. And Keo, I think it's time to, to say goodbye. I think a player like Fresneda or Harrison Ashby, who they were very, very keen on in the summer from West Ham, would be a you know a deal that they could revisit. Um, but I think it's crucial just to get a little bit more depth in that defence, especially on the right-hand side. I'm um, just diving into some of the comments here. Uh, Ian CR65 says, it's a very difficult game tonight. I go with the same same team that played against Man City earlier in the season, bring in St. Maximum and move Joe Linton into the midfield for Longstaff. Thoughts on that one? Um, For me, no. I think Longstaff is crucial to that press, which they'll want to keep up against the castle. Um, and look, it just goes back to what I said earlier in the episode. I just think with Saka and Ben White bombing down that right-hand side at Dan Burn all night, I think you probably need Joe Linton in there just to offer a little bit more um, when your castle don't have the ball. And look, I don't, I don't think um, taking long stuff out this team is a very good idea when you know he's been he's been quite integral to what they've done over the last couple of months. And I think it would be quite unfair to see him dropped out tonight. Jim Ross is another one who would like to see Maxi play tonight. Ross Neal asks for our thoughts on QL, who of course joins Newcastle permanently um, well, this month. Eddie Howe seemed to suggest that his belief was that the kid needs to go out on loan. Is there a chance that that could change, do you think, given our belief Newcastle need a striker? If QL performs well in training, could he be thrown into the first team squad with a chance of you know, being a backup to Callum Wilson, should Callum Wilson pick up an injury or just, you know, need to come off the pitch after an hour or so? I don't think so. I think given, I think unless there was, you know, sort of a an injury to Wilson or another one of the attackers, I can't see Qual staying at the club, you know, beyond January. I think it's the perfect opportunity to loan about. There'll be plenty of suitors both in England and abroad wanting to take him on. And I think given he's only started a handful of games in Australia, probably isn't, you know, the plan to throw him straight in at the deep end in England. So I, I wouldn't be um wouldn't be expecting him to stay this month. I just want to talk about the transfer market in general. We know there's this belief in Newcastle have an endless stream of money, which just you know it isn't the case. There's financial fair play to to deal with. And you know, as strong as the season's been, the mantra still seems to be slow and steady. You know, they're not just going to open the checkbook like Man City did um all those years ago. You look at the transfer market now. Newcastle, uh, we're told, or oh, about this ceiling that all the other clubs have got, and they haven't got one. Jurgen Klopp referenced it. Jurgen Klopp goes out and signs uh, the Dutch wonder kid Gakpo. Chelsea are on the verge of signing the Argentinian wonder kid Enzo Fernandez, who, of course, Newcastle were linked to. Are you sitting down, Aaron, for this? A <laughs> hundred and twelve million pounds, and the kids. Has only played, I think, less than 18 games. 108 games. 108 games. I mean, it is absolutely mind blowing, isn't it? And that that it shows you the kind of money you, you need in this market to, to really make a dent. But I tell you what, it also sort of shows you just how frightened these teams in and around Newcastle are, that Newcastle are here, and they're not just going to disrupt the party, they're going to be throwing the next party for the next few seasons. Yeah, look, Eddie Howe keeps banging the drum about FFP, which you know fans don't like to hear, but it is part of the modern game. They've spent a lot of money in the last 12 to 18 months. I think um, it's something that Howe really, really stressed in the summer is that he didn't want to disrupt this dressing room. I can't see there being any, you know, 250 grand a week wonder kids being brought in, you know, in January when they're on 
they've got such a cohesion there. And 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 as you said, it's slow and steady. I think this time last year they needed to bring in five or six to to steer themselves away from the relegation zone. They don't probably need anywhere near as much now. I think one or two additions is probably, you know, far more likely this window. Um, but I mean that Enzo Fernandez deal. One, it shows you, you know, clubs are paying extortionate amounts for, you know, gambles essentially because Enzo Fernandez could become the next best thing. He could sort of fade into, you know, obscurity. But I think it shows that Newcastle have got a long way to go before they're actually really beating teams like Arsenal to Bruno's every week because there's no way on earth that Newcastle were ever going to rival Chelsea for 127 million or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be a season or two before before we see Newcastle pulling out, you know, world record deals again. And they don't need marquee signings, I don't think. I think what they need is they need players who've got the same character of the squad that's already here because we've mentioned it in many, many episodes. I mentioned at the start of this episode, the unifying feeling amongst the squad, yeah. that is such an important asset, you know, and to bring in a big name that could potentially disrupt it. I mean, reports in Spain have been shot down, haven't they, about uh, Ronaldo having a release clause. And I was good mm-hmm. to see the, the fan base going, no, no, yeah. because you know he's just going to come in and he just send the wave of negativity through the dressing room. I'm Ronaldo, I'm the big name. Newcastle United don't want that. Eddie Howe doesn't want that. He wants players who have got the right character to come in, fit straight in with his squad and push Newcastle United forward. Yeah, 100%. I think, you know, they, they need depth more than marquee signs at this moment in time, which I will know. And and as we said in the summer, he, he made it clear that even the likes of Jesse Lingard, you know, would he have been too much of a disruptor? Probably not, but he's asking for big money, bigger money than, you know, a lot of the first team players at Newcastle United are on. And I think um, Howe made a big point of trying to keep that wage band as tight as it could. And, um it's worked wonders because you see now how unified this this group is, and as, as you say, so um, yeah, I, I don't expect any sort of a hundred million pound signings so far, or, or as of yet. But look, in the next couple of years, as the cast start growing, they have you know a lot more sponsorship money from from Saudi Arabia. I uh, I think they could probably be you know mixing it with the best of them. Roger says Ronaldo wouldn't get through our ego net. Um, <laughs> totally agree with that. Give me your score prediction then for tonight, Aaron. Um, I don't want to sit on the fence, but I'm really sorry. I've I've got splinters because I'm going to. So I'll go one-one. I think I think it'll be a tight game. I think Newcastle need to weather that early storm, as as Tom said. But I think I think they'll match them, and I think they'll come away from the Emirates with something. Two-one Newcastle. I'm gone. I've done it. Two-one Newcastle. Um. This is actually the 900th episode of the Everything is Black and White podcast. Wow. Quite a landmark. It is. 900. I think I've probably done about 820 of them. So thank <laughs> you, as always, to you guys for um, listening, watching, subscribing, leaving your comments and reviews. It's uh, much appreciated, and we can't wait for the next 100 episodes to come uh, for that magic 1,000 marker. Um, our live event is now sold out, so if you haven't got your ticket... Uh, Sorry, but um, we're limited to 120 people. 120 people have snapped up those tickets. And also, thank you for following us throughout 2022. I tied up the numbers, and we had more than 1.1 million downloads. Uh, 
we don't know the numbers for other podcasters. It's just a privilege to be within a pool of such great uh, competitors um, from other media organisations and fan channels as well. Uh, but we're very happy with that number. It's a lot to do with the takeover as well. 78% up on last year, Aaron. I mean, do we look, think takeover had something to do with that, or maybe your arrival? I perhaps think I was just about to say. I think more so than takeover. I think it was my introduction to the Everything's Black and White podcast back in March that really saw the spike. So, if Roger like, could send me that ego net through, um, I definitely <laughs> could use it for Aaron there. Are you, are you saying I'm Ronaldo? I don't certainly don't get paid as enough as Ronaldo, but yeah. Maybe. Well, I've seen you play play football on a Monday night, mate. You're definitely not Ronaldo. Um, this has been the Everything is Black and White podcast. Thank you guys, as always, for tuning in and listening. If you are watching live on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. If you're listening on the podcast channel, please remember to like and follow the podcast. Head over to chroniclelive.co.uk where we're bringing you all the latest Newcastle United news, including a dedicated transfer live blog and a live blog of tonight's game against Arsenal, where hopefully Newcastle can beat the Gunners and maintain their place not only in the top four, but in a title race.